Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800 522 Welcome to Horse Racing Northwest podcast from Emerald Downs. Joe Withy, Vince Broom, your hosts. Vince, I'm already doing better than last week. I had the wrong name of the show on our first show, our first podcast. I called it Northwest Horse Racing or something. Yep, Horse Racing Northwest. This is our second week of a weekly feature here and ready to talk horse racing as we're getting real close to live racing action at Emerald Downs. Really close. In fact, specifically, we have a date for opening day for the 2020 meeting, finally, in this uh, odd year of 2020. Let's hear it, Joe. Yeah, we're going to start on Wednesday, June 24th at 2.15 p.m. Mark it down. Emerald Downs opening day coming up Wednesday, June 24th, 2.15 p.m. We're going to race the following day, Thursday, June 25th at 5 p.m which comes right on the heels of the uh, end of the Golden Gate card that day. So Wednesday at 2.15, Thursday at 5 p.m., the week of June 24th, June 25th. That's going to be our schedule for several weeks when we race without fans. That'll take a little getting used to, um, but, you know, we've seen it at several tracks throughout the country, and that's the situation right now, and hopefully we'll get into that phase four and... Fans will be allowed back on the grounds. Yeah, looking maybe toward uh, August 1st for having fans in, hopefully. That, that again, as you said, that's up in the air at this point. But uh, uh, Emerald Downs uh, opened up a little bit this week as well. You've been back watching training with some of the racing club owners and uh, owners allowed in at the track starting Wednesday of this past week. And you enter through the Quarter Shoot Cafe area and show your license. And we've seen plenty of uh, familiar faces out there. We have. And uh, the trainers I've talked to seem to like it, too. You know, yeah. Sharon Ross, our trainer, said, you know, we're getting a little tired of seeing the same old face. But it's great <laughs> to see a lot of the owners back. And it is. It really is. A, a big part of the fun of owning a thoroughbred is, of course, watching the morning training, seeing the horses in their stalls. And several trainers have commented here over the years our owners really participate well here much more so than california to come out and watch morning training and to me that's that's half half of the fun of owning a horse you bet and uh part of that participation is due to the presence of our our great backstretch kitchen the quarter shoot cafe 
And it is open for phone and pickup orders. You can call 253-288-0743. Once again, 253-288-0743. Call in your order. You can pick it up at the quarter shoot, either in the parking lot on the west side of the building or right inside. You can go in as well to pick up your order. So the quarter shoot cafe is open and uh, we're very happy about that owners can take advantage of that uh, they're open from 8 a.m to 2 p.m seven days a week the quarter shoot and yeah so owners back watching training opening day coming up wednesday june 24th and we worked on uh, different possibilities for opening day of course we want to get the best exposure nationally as uh, so many fans are creating big handles at tracks because they're betting on their phone or their iPad, which is how you're betting right now. That's right, yeah. And as I said last week, it's really simple to do. And uh, you just open up an account and you can watch the live feeds from all the tracks around the country. And it's super easy to wager, withdraw money if you like, add money if you like. So uh, can't recommend it enough. Um, a lot of, it's, it's, uh, it's not ideal. Of course, we want to have get back to the mutual machines on track being open. But as we said, that hopefully that'll happen pretty soon too. Yeah, and uh, first bet, uh, get you, open up your app, uh, the first bet app, wherever you get your apps. And first bet is a great uh, ADW, as we call them, advanced deposit wagering site. You get a little uh, joining bonus, and you can, as Vince said, you can make your wagers for any track, and you can watch any track live on your uh, smartphone or your iPad. And so first bet is a good choice there for if you're a new ADW customer. So, uh, well, today's show, we're going to talk about the Albany Stakes at Golden Gate. Uh, has a big Emerald Downs presence there. Uh, John White's going to join us, uh, interview with John on our second Horse Racing Northwest podcast. And uh, Vince is going to talk a little bit about returning jockeys. And uh, one of our top jockeys the last several years is back in action. How many times have you been asked about where's Rocco Bowen? When's Rocco yeah. coming back? We have some news on Rocco Bowen. Yeah, and it was kind of surprising news. And, and I'm happy to say that he's back riding at Belterra Park. Uh, finished a nice second in his first mount. Was that on? Did he win one today? Okay, um, that's even better. So, yeah, Rocco won more races over those three last three years he rode here than anybody obviously with the three straight titles Rocco Bowen yeah winner of the Emerald Downs title 2016 17 and 18 and he did have a shoulder injury there late in 18 and uh, was on various stages of rehab the last year and a half but he's back riding at Belterra on Thursday with a second and a win on Friday uh, today June 5th Rocco Bowen back riding. He's going to stay in the Midwest, apparently going to be based at Indiana Grand. They're going to open soon. So good news for Rocco Bowen. Maybe he'll make his way back to the Northwest where he is so darn popular. Boy, he uh, really uh, was the favorite of a lot of fans with uh, his fantastic success. Uh, it just grew every year here at Emerald Down, seemingly. So Rocco's back riding. And uh, our top five riders are scheduled to be back this year. Uh, our top riders from last year, Vince, are back. And Gary Wales is one who's expected to be in the Northwest very soon off a successful Tampa season again. Right. Gary Wales, who won his first title here last year with 99 wins, 99.66 over Kevin Roscoe, has actually had a pretty good winner down in Tampa Bay, as you pointed out, Joe. Over you, 10%. Which is good at that meet. It's extremely tough meet with a lot of 
jockeys from the East riding there in, in the winter. So Gary's doing well. Kevin Orozco is back in action in the Bay Area. He had 66 wins here last year. I think he's second and third the last two years. Javier Matias, I've seen him on horses, working horses back here and uh, exercising horses in the morning. And Javier is over 500 wins now at Emerald Downs out of yeah. the last year, 62 wins last year. Juan Gutierrez is, uh, has a new agent this year after all those years with Keep Driving, going uh, with David Singer, as we know as marbles around the racetrack. Um, he... Well, with only a 44-day meet schedule, it'll be hard for him to break uh, Galen Mitchell's all-time record, but he will do it either this year or next year, become Four. number one all-time in wins. 46 behind Mitchell. 46 behind. So he would need, you know, well, a little yeah. over one a day to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, you know, I, I think more realistically next year, but he will be our all-time leader at some point. Eddie Martinez, 52 wins here mm. last year in his first year here. Um, so, um, he's been already on the grounds here doing a lot of work, getting ready for the meet. So I expect him to have a good season. Yeah. So the top five fellas are back at Emerald Downs again, uh, opening day coming up on Wednesday, June 24th, two fifteen. no fans at the track other than owners will be allowed in owners need to enter through the quarter shoot cafe race office area with your credential and they'll be able to come in and watch their horse perform, uh, but we are going to be limited due to the uh, state restrictions in this 2020 year. So uh, any new jockeys? Well, uh, Angel Cruz, I think he goes by Angel, doesn't he? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He's going to be up. Uh, he had a successful run at Turf Paradise this past year. A fairly young guy, but off to a good start in his career. So there is one new face that is already here and getting on horses at Emerald Downs. So. Yeah, and a few other familiar faces I've yeah. seen back there. Jose Zanino, Lorenzo Lopez, and, of course, Jennifer Whitaker, who's on the verge. I think she's nine away from the 500 win mark at Emerald Downs, which is quite in a, a milestone here at our track. Big part of Emerald Downs history. Jennifer Whitaker, a tremendous hand for Howard Belvoir, basically his assistant trainer, gets on... 10, 12, 13 horses a day, and of course, the only female jockey to win the Long Acres Mile, that thrilling victory aboard Wasserman in 2008, a uh, legendary uh, moment in Northwest Thoroughbred Racing. This is Horse Racing Northwest. Thanks for joining us, Vince Brune, along with myself, Joe Withy, and uh, just a couple other passings. You know, we've had so many... Uh, we're paying tribute to a number of our trainers that have left us in the past six months at emeralddowns.com. Um, Ken Paulson, uh, owner-breeder from Central Washington, has had so many great moments in racing. He is he left us uh, some time ago. Phil Fitterer just recently passed uh, in the month of May, uh, ran the daily racing form for uh, well over 20 years, a legendary high school and college athlete in Ellensburg and just a very knowledgeable individual. Phil left us. And Pat McDowell, uh, Vince, uh, Pat, very popular in the paddock as the judge and yeah. long career in thoroughbred racing, native of Spokane. In fact, yeah, Sharon Ross was telling me that she ran into uh, Jan, Janice McDowell, Pat's mm -hmm. uh, widow, and Janice said, hang on a sec. She went to the car and got out a big package of bubble gum of course pat always was throwing yeah. gum at everyone over the years here so yeah i feel bad for janice that's very tough and uh pat goes way back as an agent many many years back to the 60s i believe Joe. that's right 
And he could spin a yarn at the racetrack, one of those character <laughs> racetrack characters that'll be missed. Yeah, he uh, loved golf, and he worked uh, over at Auburn Golf Course the last many, many years. In the morning, he got out all the power drive carts, and just for some playing privileges, and I asked the guys over there who we know pretty well now, uh, Chris and Jeremy and Mike, they're in the in the pro shop at Auburn Golf Course. I said, Pat, ever to tell you any stories? And they just kind of rolled their eyes. Yeah, yeah. We listened to a lot of Pat's stories over the years. You bet. So, uh, yeah, a smile on our face about Pat McDowell. Well, uh, some of our regular segments, we're going to do some handicapping. Uh, we're going to mention other podcasts. I know you're going to want to listen to us, but there's some great racing podcasts out there. Uh, Pet Peeves, we've got more of those this week. How about uh, podcast, Vince, uh, horse racing podcast? Where do you go? Well, you know, I, I, like you, Joe, I'm kind of a podcast fan, especially yeah. late at night. And as far as horse racing ones, I think the one I've gone to most often over the years is Steve Bick. He probably has one of the longest ongoing ones. His is of national scope. And, uh, boy, he gets all the big players <laughs> in the sport of thoroughbred racing, uh, trainers as well as journalists and fans and uh it's it's usually pretty interesting and pretty timely. You know, he's pretty up to date. He'll preview the big big uh, stakes to come in a weekend and then on, on a Friday and then on a Monday, um, kind of rehash them as we go over it. And our good friend John White, usually on there most weeks. That's right. John White, uh, regular on the Steve Bick podcast. You can listen to that on your desktop or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Horse Racing Radio is HRRN, and they cover a lot of live events. HRRN, our good friend Anthony Stabil is a big part of that. You can get it at horseracingradio.net on the desktop or just type in HRRN in your podcast area. Anthony Stabil does a call-in show on Thursday, and he also does a stakes preview on Friday. So he's got a couple of shows on HRRN. I like to listen to the Big A. And publichandicapper.com, which Chris Larmy's part of. Chris Larmy and Scott Carson started this last year. Publichandicapper.com on the desktop, or just type in Public Handicapper, the Public Handicapper pod. Uh, those guys are mm-hmm. long-shot yeah. handicappers, and of course they make great cases for their wagers or their selections. They have guests on often, but they're really interesting to listen to. Yeah. When, and you know Chris Larmy well. Chris is one of those guys, when he likes a horse, my ears are wide open. Yeah. And he does come up with some crazy stuff. But boy, I've seen him hit some incredible things. So uh, he's definitely a skillful handicapper. And he can back that up with several titles around the country oh, in handicapping sure. contests over well, the years. He's, he's, he's outstanding. Yeah, he's in the Handicapper Hall of Fame. Scott Carson's an outstanding handicapper as well. Boy, those guys are really, really thorough and one vein that comes up a lot in handicapping is doing your video work, watching replays, watching not just the pan, but the head on. Uh, we all get winners by watching a given horse in a race and doing your homework can really help if you add that video angle. And it's so easy to get replays now. It is. And I agree with that, Joe. And well, one of the things about video handicapping, it, everyone sees the obvious stuff, but some of the more subtle stuff can be kind of subjective. And that can be a real signpost to some long shots. If you notice something that maybe the chart uh, caller 
uh, in the racing form or for equibase didn't see or right i mean everyone sees the the you know a horse that has to steady sharply or take up or misses the break or whatever of course those are important but i think it's even more valuable if you can uncover something that maybe is missed by most people and that can uh, really be helpful it, it's a subjective art but i enjoy watching uh, a replay and uh, making my interpretation of what went on exactly okay so uh, there's a couple podcasts for you out there, which are, of course, ever popular. We have jumped right in with Horse Racing Northwest. You got it right, Joe. Produced by our uh, TV director and our marketing director, Wes Petrie. Wes, right along here, ready to uh, correct anything we might do <laughs> untoward. So thanks for joining us. We have a lot to do uh, Pet peeves. Let's do those. I uh, had one last week. So did you. Let's go with uh, pet peeves. Pan camera shooting. What the observer, what the race fan can see. And again, what is the figure, Vince? It's over 90% of people. And now it's about 99.9% uh, .9 of race fans are watching on a screen. Yes. And therefore are totally reliant on the work of the cameraman. They are completely reliant on the Pan Cameron who shoots the race. And boy, we've really trained. I'll pat ourselves on the back here at Emerald Downs. We have trained our Pan Cameron to shoot properly. So my point is, if you're watching on a TV screen, all you're watching is what you're given by the track that uh, is racing at that time in the pan cameraman. So many tracks, the pet peeve, of course, is that they focus in on that winner in the last eighth of a mile. They mm -hmm. even tighten into the shot in the last 16th. And what's going on with the other six, and seven, how eight, much money ten is horses? Tied up in the exactus, trifecta, superfectus, penefecta. Yeah, it's paramount. And, and at many points, the, the winner at that point becomes obvious, and it's even more important thus to, to show the battle for second and third. A skilled cameraman can show it all. That's right. You put the leader over on the right side of the screen. You widen out slowly. It takes a little expertise, but boy, our, our people have learned quickly. We've had some good ones here, Wes, over the years. And and you just talked about video work. We both did. Yeah. What good is it to go to the video and watch a replay of the last quarter mile if all you see is the yeah. darn winner in the last 16th? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add a little onto your pet peeve there. And again, I, I, I agree, Emerald Downs is really good in this area, is the gallop out after the race. I want to see, um, you know, who's finishing with energy, how they're galloping out. You know, to me, that can be important, especially if we're talking about an inexperienced horse. So, wow, they're really clicking in that last eighth and then galloping out strongly. That can be a really helpful handicapping tool, and a lot of a lot of tracks are not very consistent or good in showing that. That's right. You know, another a lot of tracks do have a good pan cameraman and give you a lot, but boy, some of the bigger tracks don't, and that is a key point. Uh, it might lead somebody to a bet next time out. Sure, no, you know, it's if you see some information there. Many many times it's led me to that. Yeah, you know, and again, that's a subjective thing. How important is it? Well, just show it to me, and I'll make my observation on what how important I think it is or isn't. So, um, but good, consistent camera work. Yeah, with all the money being bet, you know, and people being reliant on that, that's a great one, Joe. And I'll, I'll vouch, Joe has been mentioning that for many, many, many years. And oh, I agree with him. We, uh, in fact, uh, Pan Cameron, we had, uh, you know, I, Wes knows, he's been our TV director for a lot of years, Cy Labar, our director. I don't come in and, and complain a lot, but uh, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, we didn't really shoot that race well, and 
you know, we'll just remind him. Then it happened again, maybe in a week. And they, we talked to the kid and uh, he's become outstanding, you yeah. know, and he didn't make that many mistakes, but just a couple little subtle uh, instructional thoughts and uh, it can really help the viewer. Sure. sure. No, I agree. You got any pet peeves? Well, I got a, a more, maybe a, this is a, a, just a real general one and okay. it's, it's uh, handicappers who redboard. <laughs> And when we say redboarding, that means telling us what happened after the race. Yeah. And we've all heard those guys that, boy, you know, look at that. The, you know, the horse was coming off a good third in trouble. Or, yeah, look at that. He blew out three furlongs at 35. Well, I can do that, too. And I've been guilty of doing that. We all have over the years. But some people, that's all they do. They redboard themselves into the pick six every day, you know. And it's, it's you know, um, it's great to discuss the race, I think, afterwards and in where did I go wrong? What can I learn from it or whatever? But just pointing out all the virtuous things of the winner, we can all do that and see what we missed or whatever. Um, but it's a little pet. It's not a big, but it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine with some suspects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We had a fella here, really nice guy, friend to so many people. I won't even mention his name, but uh, uh, you'd go to him about the third race and uh, who do you like today? Oh, I loved that horse in the first race. <laughs> the one he always gave you one of the races that was already over. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't help uh, for the rest of the two and a half hours. We're going to be here and try and uh, maybe cash a ticket. So, okay, uh, we did the podcast. What about handicapping? Let's do some handicapping for this upcoming weekend. Vince had a uh, long shot at Santa Anita last week that uh, you're going to want to watch next time out. He was a first-time starter, and he was roaring late. I think it was a grass debut for, what was the name of that horse again? Uh, Rawhide Rollins yeah. for, I think it was Steve Miotti and owner-breeder Nick Alexander. Yeah, the horse was a little anxious in the gate, didn't come out well, but finished really nicely. And again, the gallop out was was very strong. So yeah, the only problem is nowhere near 35 to 1 next time. 35 so. to 1, paid over 10 bucks to show. And I saw that replay. I think that horse, he must have passed six horses in the last eighth of a mile, at least, to get up for third. Yeah, he was, you know, and the interesting thing about first-time starters is it's all new experience for him, you know. And that's why you and I have been so big on second time starters over the years mm -hmm. it's just like anything you do as a human being you're going to get better if you get a little more experience but i will also say over the years horses that win their career debut i'm a big fan of when you how many good horses have you looked back over the years boy they won their for debut and a lot, a lot of times it was at big odds they were just kind of naturals right but but the inclination like with human beings you you gather experience you do something the second time you're much better than the first time okay rawhide rollins the son of street boss was one to watch second time out and today uh well let's do a let's do a race i'll go to the carter at belmont which has a big field 11 entered the carter it's a seven furlong grade one on saturday june 6th at belmont park race number nine goes about uh, 230 emerald downs time the Carter, you can watch, of course, on FS1 or uh, your app that you're a part of on your ADW. Ferenz Fire's in there. Performer is in there. Um, American Anthem. Uh, let's see. Mind Control is 7 for 12 lifetime. But I'm going to take Vacoma in there, who drew post number 11. Now, there's a long run down that Belmont 
backstretch, so the 11 post, not bad. The horse has tactical speed. He's just a really, really good horse. Vacoma is four for six lifetime. Javier Castellano for George Weaver uh, came out running. In fact, he's never, lo- he's never lost a sprint. He's two for two in sprints. He won the Bluegrass last year. He ran in the uh, Fountain of Youth previous to that. His first start as a three-year-old after a several-month layoff was third in the Fountain of Youth. And came back after that, won the Bluegrass. They put him in the Kentucky Derby. He was 13th of 19 uh, over that muddy, sloppy track that uh, had the DQ. And then he didn't run again in 2019. He came out running this year, started in the Sir Shackleton at Gulfstream, won by almost four lengths, a 10-horse field, got his career-high buyer speed figure that was on March 28th, so he's trained up to this race. He is just a really good horse, a four-year-old son of Candy Ride out of a Spitestown mare, Vacoma to beat Ferenz Fire, American Anthem, um, Mind Control, and Performer in the Saturday Carter Grade 1 at Belmont. How about you? Yeah, I like that pick, Joe. Um, I'm going to go to Golden Gate Fields tomorrow. They've got uh, Saturday, they got 11 race card. Race 10 is a six furlong maiden special weight for three-year-old fillies. Six furlongs on the Tapita synthetic track. I landed on number six, Prudent. This is similar to the horse I liked last week in that it is a debuting horse. This one also is out of a very productive broodmare by a discreet cat, an excellent sire out of a mare, Argentine mare, named Typhonica, who has produced several really uh, nice runners, including grade one winner Hamish High, who won the Hollywood Derby uh, several years ago. And the interesting thing here is eight to one on the morning line. Eight it's to got one. Okay. 25 works leading up to its debut. 25 works. Yeah. But if 20 of those works were in Southern California, so I'm not sure if this one was with trainer Quinn Howie the whole time. Mm-hmm. Quinn Howie is... Uh, 38% with first-time starters, uh, so very excellent there. Alejandro Gomez, the rider, and Quinn Howie are, have a very positive 260 ROI, 42 for 194 over the last six years. But of those 25 works, about 24 of them are really slow. The The next to last one was a gate drill at uh, Golden Gate Fields, and it was a bullet uh, half and 47 and 4. Uh, that tells me this horse can run a little bit, even though all the other works are relatively on the slow side. So going to be an interesting horse to follow. It's a tough race. There's a lot of horses that have proven they can run, but at eight to one for a barn that proves a it barn. Can, that can fire first out and out of a broodmare that's produced nothing but runners, I think I think she's got a shot. Those are two awesome and handicapping angles for firsters, a productive first-time starter barn and a dam that has produced a number of multiple winners, good class winners as well. So once again, the name of that horse is? Prudent. I don't think I even said the name. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you did. Number six, Prudent. Yeah. Prudent at Golden Gate tomorrow in the ninth? Tenth race. Tenth they race. got an 11 race card okay. also along with Santa Anita tomorrow. Okay. And something we haven't talked about is the Albany at Golden Gate tomorrow, Saturday. What a race the Albany is. It's the ninth race. It goes... Uh, uh, about 4.55 tomorrow at Golden Gate, Saturday, uh, Saturday, June 6th. And there is some real Emerald Downs flavor in this race, Vince. Yeah, and it, interesting here, it's five furlongs on the turf. And uh, how often, Joe, over the years have we seen a defending Washington Horse of the Year face off against the defending Emerald Downs Horse of the Meeting? Perfect. Well, that's what we got tomorrow. They're both trained by Blaine Wright, any port in a storm 
who of course missed by heading the Long Acres Mile, but was brilliant in being our horse of the meet. And Baja Sir, who is one fast sprinter, as you know, Joe, um, uh, comes out uh, first start on turf for Blaine Wright. And any Port and Storms two to one on the line, Baja Sir's seven to two on the line. So that's interesting. But there's much more depth in the race than just those two. Uh, Mike's Tiz now is the defending champ, four for eight lifetime, defending Albany champ. Mm. A horse we know, Joe, Daddy's Prize for Tim McKenna, owned by Jet Horse. That's out of you, the prize, and I, who was a stakes winner here. Uh, yep. The 2011 Knight's Choice at Emerald Downs is 10 to 1. Had a nice win off the shelf steps way up in class here. It is a deep field from uh, top to bottom. You got a horse like uh, What's on the Agenda uh, in from Santa Anita's 9 to 2 for Doug O'Neill. It's going to be a hellacious speed battle up front, um, but it's going to be a, a really, really interesting race to watch to see how uh, both the Any Port and Storm and Baja Sur run on turf. Any Port and Storm has run on turf and, and mm-hmm. ran pretty well in the Alcatraz. That was a mile race at Golden Gate back in 2017. Um, well, Baja Sir, being by Smiling Tiger, is going to be making his turf debut. But, Joe, that is really a neat race. That is fantastic. That is the ninth at Golden Gate Saturday, the Albany. It's a 50,000, 5.8 short sprint, turf sprint. Again, as Vince said, Baja Sur, first time on the grass. Any Port in a Storm has had three grass races, has a second and a third. Of course, he was just awesome at Emerald Downs last year. Uh, he won three. He won two stakes, and then he got beat the picture in the Long Acres Mile, going, of course, that distance. Uh, just a fantastic sprinter, and Baja Sir undefeated Emerald Downs, as Vince mentioned, the Washington Horse of the Year for 2019, also a stakes winner in California, and his recent loss at Santa Anita Vince was back in January. Uh, yeah. He did have the one hole there, and he didn't really break all that well, but he was beaten by awful good horses. He didn't break that well and had to rush up and still was in front after a 21-3, 44-3 splits and was right there inside the eighth pole and only got beat three and a quarter lengths after missing the break. Those top two finishers, Fashionably Fast and Lieutenant Dan, both have come back to win stakes races at Santa Anita, and they're both in stakes again this weekend down there. So Baja Sur, that was, not a, that was a much better... Uh, race than it looks like on paper right there. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll take him to bounce back here. I know it's first time on turf. I know he's going against horses I totally respect, like any Port and Storm and Mike's Tiz now. But Baja Sir, when he's on his game, boy, he is one tough customer. And it's a nine-horse field. Baja Sir drew post number four with Martinez and Juan Hernandez, who has ridden Baja Sur. He's going to stick with any Port in a Storm, no surprise there. Right. Of course, both those horses, Baja Sur, any Port in a Storm, trained by Blaine Wright, who has 32 stakes wins at Emerald Downs over the past five seasons, more than double any other Emerald Downs trainer. Uh, Blaine probably loaded again this year. He's got two uh, real good sprinters in the Albany tomorrow at Golden Gate. Okay. That is really something to get excited about this weekend. You're listening to Horse Racing Northwest. Last week's trivia question was, uh, who has eight consecutive stakes wins at Emerald Downs other than Stryker PhD, who won his final start of 2013 and then was undefeated for Larry and Sharon Ross over 2014 and 2015, including two Long Acres Mile wins. Only one other horse in track history has eight consecutive stakes wins. C.J. Koenig, 
won the drawing for correct submissions at trivia at emeralddowns.com. Trivia at emeralddowns.com. And uh, CJ had the right answer, and you know what that answer is. Stop Shopping Debbie, who was ridden by? Who was ridden by Rocco Bowen. And uh, she never lost at Emerald Downs. She won her broker maiden in her career debut, then won eight stakes races, and her only loss was down in Southern Yeah, County. and I don't want to redboard here and make excuses, but well, that, that time she did run down in the L.A. woman there, you know, in retrospect, you know, we... She just was didn't have a good week no. of training leading up to it and might have had a temperature. And it's a shame because I think she could have run with those horses. I certainly do, too. Okay, this week's question. Name one of the three horses who've won races at Emerald Downs at seven different distances. That is uh, quite an accomplishment. That is versatility. Yeah. So we've had three horses in our track history that have won races here on our oval at seven different distances. Give us your answer at trivia at emeralddowns.com. You can win an Emerald Downs ball cap like C.J. Koenig did. So send those uh, answers in, and we'll have a drawing for the winner. So uh, there we go. That's uh, some horse talk, some good Washington Emerald Downs uh action this weekend we've made our selections and uh next up we are going to talk with our great washingtonian compadre john white and we'll do that in just a moment on horse racing northwest Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in a state where such activity is legal, void or prohibited, national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Our first guest on Horse Racing Northwest, and it's apropos that it should be native Washingtonian, John White. John joining us on the Horse Racing Northwest podcast, Joe with Vince Brune, and now John White. And of course, so many of you familiar with John's fantastic work, uh, just a regular on the Win Play show, uh, just pays attention to Washington racing, uh, a love of his, the Long Acres Mile. John, of course, a native of Spokane, and Vince, you worked uh, many years with John in Southern California. We sure did, and even at Los Salamitos a couple of times. Yeah, John, a good friend going way back, and we may have been in Southern California, but we always had one eye up on Washington State, I'll assure you that. Well, let's let John say something himself. John, welcome to Horse Racing Northwest Podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, great to be with you guys, and yes, uh, some great memories with Vince through the years and also with you joe of course but yep. uh we uh we're getting up there in age guys that's <laughs> what i guess we can say yeah things are things are changing in our everybody's world in 2020 john had the honor of being honorary steward for the long acres mile of 2011 that epic battle between awesome jim 
and Noosa Beach. And That's hard to believe that was nine years ago. My goodness. I know. And uh, John, of course, just pays so much attention to the Long Acres Mile and all of Washington racing. But uh, John is a noted Kentucky Derby historian and handicapper. And a little switcheroo for 2020, the Derby not first in the Triple Crown Series, John. Well, this will be the first year in the history of uh, the United States Triple Crown that the Belmont Stakes will kick off the series. And the distance for the Belmont Stakes shortened considerably this year from a mile and a half to a mile and an eighth. But it's uh, just part of all the changes that uh, the entire world has been dealing with since we've had the coronavirus, for sure. So, uh, But the Triple Crown, uh, one of the... Uh, casualties of the of the virus i guess you could say but but we still have a triple crown that's the good news in other words we're not going to have one of those years like sometimes when you look back in history through a world war one or a world war two that type of thing sometimes you would see that uh, racetracks were closed or races weren't held so at least at least we're going to have a triple crown at, at least at this point uh, leading off with the miles and an eighth Belmont stakes followed by the mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby and then the final leg will be uh, the the uh, mile and 316th Freakness stakes and that'll be uh, way down the line there in uh, in early October yeah October 3rd and the Belmont coming up on June 20th Saturday June 20th just a couple weeks away for the Belmont stakes of 2020 John, yeah, that's the day before Vince's birthday. Yeah, and and, and yours. Well, I think John's mine. birthday is June twentieth, isn't it? John? No, twenty first. We're both oh, June twenty first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which hey, also is the anniversary of Turbulator's first start at Long Acres in nineteen seventy. <laughs> so that was when Turbulator made his uh, Long Acres debut, finishing third in the Space Needle Handicap, won by the outstanding sprinter Fleet Fair. Yeah, Fleet Fair. I love that. Hey, that's uh, only fifty. That's only 50 years ago that I was sitting in the bleachers of Long Acres with my wow. late father for that yeah. race. Did I just question actually, John? I mi- actually, let me correct yeah. that. I missed that race because uh, my dad and I were staying with my grandparents uh, in Marysville, north of uh, Seattle. And my grandfather was not a fan of horse racing. And I was begging my father to take me to Long Acres for the hmm. Space Needle Handicap. And my father said, no, because I don't want to make my dad mad because he wouldn't Mm. like it for, for, see, my dad's birthday was June 21st as well. So I had the same birthday as my dad. And so it was a big deal for the family to be all together on our birthdays, the two, the two birthdays. And I mean, I begged my dad in every way, shape or form, but to show you the class of my dad, and I'll never forget this. And this is why he was a wonderful father. He said, look, I feel bad for not taking you to Long Acres to see Turbulator for this race. You can pick any other day for the rest of the year, and I will take off work. We'll drive over from Spokane. We will go to Long Acres, Hmm. and uh, that will be for me to make this up to you. And I said immediately July 4th. (laughs) And uh, And he said, okay, you you got it. And that's when Turbulator won his first race at Long Acres, which was the Independence Day Handicap. But that was the class of my dad that he he let me down by not seeing the space needle handicap but that's where i was there for turbulator's first win at long acres and that was a very memorable race because 
the late Bob Schwartzman had written a, an extensive article in the Seattle Times on Turbulator about how, as a youngster on a farm in Montana, he had this severely injured a knee, and his owner, breeder, and trainer, Tom Crawford, had tried to trade Turbulator to a neighbor who I just found out not that long ago who the neighbor was. Uh, it was a, a relative of Sidney Powell's. And Sydney worked in the racing office of Playfair for a hundred million years. Yep. And uh, so it was verified that this trade was attempted. And Tom Crawford tried to trade Turbulator with a bad knee for two cows, and Fam- the neighbor turned him down. <laughs> Famous and Bob story. Schwartzman wrote that all up. And so when Turbulator won the Independence Day handicap by two lengths of one thirty-four and two seconds, which matched the winning time of Praise Jay in the Long Acres Mile the year before. I went down to the winner's circle, and when they led Turbulator into the winner's circle with the crowd just going crazy because Turbulator had come from so far behind to win that day that this guy yelled out, he's worth more than two cows now, Tom. (laughs) That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a racetrack. Wow. So Turbulator got a big hand for coming from behind and winning, but it was his first win at Long Acres, so he hadn't had the awesome following that he would gain, but he had won, what, seven races at the Playfair meet the year before? That's correct. From six furlongs to two miles yeah. within a, just about two months period time. And uh, I had, it was just kind of fluky almost, but I was with my dad at Coeur d'Alene for his very first start on June 7th, 1969. He ran in the feature race that day as a four-year-old maiden and finished third behind Stout Me and Testify. And then they took him to Portland Meadows, and he finished second twice in low-level claiming races, made in 1,500 and the made in 2,000. And then they sent him to Spokane, and he reeled off the seven straight wins. He beat Silver Double in the Playfair Mile. I'll never forget it. I was standing right by the winner's circle. And Silver Double had opened up a four-length lead at the eighth pole on that bull ring. Yeah. And a friend of my dad's had been telling me all day how Silver Double was a lock, and I kept telling him he'll never beat Turbulator. <laughs> and Turbulator beat Silver Double by a length that day, running a fantastic final quarter. And then one week later, Turbulator carried 128 pounds and won a race going two miles. So, I mean, he was a phenomenal horse. And that Independence Day handicap at Long Anchors in 1970 when the crowd went wild, uh, Turbulator was like Zenyatta in a way. He had a real personality. When he won that Playfair Mile beating Silver Double, when he came back to the winner's circle, the crowd was really reacting to him because he was kind of like taking bows. He was coming back to the winner's circle. And each time he would kind of bow, the crowd would cheer even louder. And this went on for like four or five minutes. And so he had such a personality. That was part of his charisma. Yeah. And that... That win in the Independence Day handicap was why he, it was really the springboard of why he became such a big fan favorite at Long Anchor. Sure. The record and the production, what have you done for me lately? And he did that. What a great season, 1970 at Long Acres. Hey, John, uh, to find your column, which is just so thorough, both nationally and uh, in a recent column when Len Kazmersky passed away, you uh, went over his history, Kaz's history with Loto Canada. Uh, where can fans find your column online? also wrote quite extensively about Bob McBean's and Flamme, mm-hmm. for instance, as right. well. Flamme was one of my favorites. I remember visiting her at the barn, and there was a tetherball 
at her stalls to kind of help keep her calm at the barn. What you can do is you can go to expressbet.com and it's kind of buried on the website, but just go to news and then blog and then uh, view all and you can find it or maybe an even better way, XDTV, which was which is a terrific website with workouts, but I, I look at workouts when making the morning line for Santa Anita for all the two-year-olds or unraced horses that I can. And there they have a, a section where there's blogs up in the upper right-hand corner and they have my blog listed there. So that's a very convenient way. And then each Friday I, during uh, the Triple Crown season, I do a weekly uh, blurb in, for the Los Angeles Times that the horse racing newsletter they have. You can just Google that, Los Angeles Times Racing Newsletter. You have to sign up, but it's free. Sure. And it'll keep you up to speed on everything going on pretty much at San Anita. And I've become a weekly contributor to that each Friday. It'll have my top 10, for instance, uh, it was, it came out today, and it would have my top 10 for the Belmont Stakes that's coming up on June 20th. Perfect. Hey, John, looking at tomorrow, of course, John does the morning line. How many years now at Santa Anita, John? Uh, this would be my 11th. 11th year already. You got probably the best card of the meet, uh, 11 race cards, 7 stakes. So a few observations for me that you can comment on. I see you make authentic the 4-5 to five favorite in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, a couple other things. Um, Bob Baffert has a $3.65 million horse debuting tomorrow. Uh, well, interested to hear the scuttlebutt you may have heard on that one. Of course, there's so many clockers reports down in Southern California. Um, well, the, well, let me interject and say that the clockers reports have lost a little of their steam from the standpoint that, that for last uh well, a month or two at the very least. I mean, uh, while training has continued at Santa Anita, even during the time that live racing wasn't being conducted, they were not allowing the private clockers onto the ground. And that was still the case as of pretty recently. Mm. So they've been in pretty much the same boat. In other words, I'm on a kind of an even playing field with them. And that really, other than XBTV, where you can see videos of some of the workouts, uh, that's all that we have in terms of workout information. So yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, typically we've got people like uh, Toby Terrell, Gary Young, and Andy Harrington. These are three really terrific clockers. They have quite a following, all three of them, and they do a, do a really good job. And uh, when they put out the word on a horse, they often get bet very heavily. And and I also noticed the the Hollywood Gold Cup. The name the Hollywood Gold Cup has come back this year at Santa Anita. I like that. Yeah, in fact, they're going to pre present uh, the 1950 running of the uh, Hollywood Gold Cup that was won by Noor. Uh, it's at the CTBA, the California Thoroughbred Breeders Association, and there's a foundation uh, that is uh, kind of a, a there that's a charity type foundation that does a lot of work. In fact, my wife Tracy Gantz is on the board of that foundation, and. Uh, there was, they've had this uh, trophy, this Hollywood Gold Cup trophy, and that's going to be part of the ceremony for whoever wins this year's Hollywood Gold, uh, Hollywood Gold Cup at San Anita. And I'm glad to see the name revert back because it's like the Hollywood Derby at Del Mar. You know, there's such a history associated. Look, this is one of the things I've given Ron Crockett tremendous credit for because, look, I understand why he wanted to kind of establish an identity for 
Emerald Downs in the shadow of Long Acres. Long Acres was such a popular track that it wasn't easy for Emerald Downs to establish its own identity. And that was something Ron Crockett wanted to do, and it's understandable why he would want to do that. And yet, with that in mind, he did not change the name of the Long Acres Mile to the Emerald Mile or the Emerald Downs Mile or anything else. He Mm -hmm. kept that name, the Long Acres Mile. And for those of us that grew up with the Long Acres Mile, uh, that's so great to have kept that name, even though there is no Long Acres anymore. And so I'm glad that Santa Anita kind of uh, taking that page out of the same book, uh, going back to the Hollywood Gold Cup. How, how do you, getting back to the Derby here for a second, authentic at four to five, how deep is Bob Baffert's three-year-old string this year? Well, deep enough that he could lose a horse that I thought maybe had a chance to win the Triple Crown. And unfortunately, uh, just recently suffered a career-ending injury. Uh, I thought Nadal was just an absolutely uh, very special colt. He was a big colt, but very fast, very athletic. And, uh, you know, he had all the tools, I thought, to uh, really take a serious run at the Triple Crown. But uh, And, you know, it's bad for him and his uh, ownership group that he actually ran the best race of his career on the first Saturday of May when he won the second division of the Arkansas Derby. The other division won by the undefeated Charlatan, also trained by Bob, Bob Baffert, but Nadal won in faster time. And uh, you think that if the Kentucky Derby had been run on the first Saturday in May, as it has been for so many decades, that uh, there's a very good chance Nadal might have been a Kentucky Derby winner. But uh, now he'll just have to be satisfied with going to stud as an undefeated Arkansas Derby winner. Yep. Just a fantastic card at Santa Anita on Saturday, June 6th. As Vince said, seven stakes races. John, uh, who's a highlight horse the, for you tomorrow at Santa Anita? Well, the highlight horse for me is a horse that I've been following pretty closely uh, ever since his first race. And I think tomorrow could be his coming out party. I, I say that with all due respect to Authentic because, look, Authentic uh, is undefeated. Uh, you know, he's he's just very talented. He's from the Bob Baffert burn. I mean, and he's going to be a heavy favorite, which is why I made him four to five. But Honor AP, to me, is a very intriguing horse. And uh, if John Sheriffs can win the Kentucky Derby with Giacomo, who was 50 to one, I think he's, John Sheriffs has a very good chance to win the Kentucky Derby this year with uh, Honor AP, who I think is a much better horse than Giacomo. And uh, Giacomo will always kind of be a thorn in my side because that was the year that in my expressbet.com column and everywhere else, I picked closing argument to win that race. And uh, he went off at 71 to one and led the entire stretch until the last like couple of jumps and got beat by Giacomo and Mike Smith, who had a perfect trip coming from way back. And a fleet Alex finished third in that race, but closing argument almost was going to be one of the greatest picks I had uh, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, but, you know, he still holds the record for the, in the Kentucky Derby. He paid $70 to place for a $2 ticket to place, and that's the highest place payoff in the history of the Kentucky Derby. So... While my horse that I picked to win the Derby that year didn't win, he certainly, uh, if you bet him across the board, you did very well, or if you backed him up and bet him to place. But uh, this Honor AP 
I think, can possibly turn the tables on Authentic. While I made Authentic the favorite, I picked on her AP with my selections that appear on the simulcast feed and in the uh, Santa Anita program, because actually Honor AP in the San Felipe Stakes in early March ran a terrific race in defeat that day because he had battled a bruised foot, he'd missed some training, and the way John Sheriff's trains, you, you feel like he wasn't going to be cranked 100% for a race in early March when at that time the goal was the Kentucky Derby in May. And uh, Honor AP didn't get beat that far. He, he loomed a real threat at the top of the lane, and then Authentic had it all his own way that day on the front end and kicked away in the final furlong, uh, not by a big margin. but uh, And what's interesting is if you go by trackist, which gives you how far a horse ran, how, much, how many feet they traveled, uh, Honor AP actually raced wide enough in that race that he, it would be virtually a dead heat taking into account the ground loss for Honor AP in that race. And I think the Honor AP we're going to see in the Santa Anita Derby will be a much fitter, much more ready for battle Honor AP than was the case in the San Felipe. And plus, he won't be the favorite. Uh, I made him the 9-5 to five second favorite, which pushed me up to make big prices on everybody else in the race in order to balance the race in terms of the percentages. Mm-hmm. And I made, like, a horse, a new door. I really felt bad kind of making him 15-1. to 1. I really wanted to make him maybe 10, maybe 8. But because if I'm going to make Honor AP 9-5, to 5, that's pushing me up on all those other horses. And the thing about a new door, and I'd be thrilled if he won the race, as a, a fan of Blaine Wright and a fan of his father, Richard Wright, who I saw when writing titles at Playfair, and uh, Richard Wright was a terrific trainer during his time as a conditioner, and Blaine Wright has done such a, a really marvelous job as a trainer himself, almost won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile as a huge long shot last year. But when you really look at the claims to fame for Anu Or. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile has not proven to be a very strong race. You'll remember that's the race that Dennis's moment stumbled at the start, and eight rings laid an egg in that race. And the buyer speed figure was low. The time was really slow. And that race, and Storm the Court, who won the race, has not won a race this year. So it does not look like that Breeders' Cup was very strong. You don't want to be too harsh on judging a new door because he almost won the race. He ran well. And he almost won the Los Alamitos Fraternity, but even that race is a little uh, kind of questionable now because Thousand Words won that race, and he's turned out to be a disappointment for the Baffert Barn. So then when you put those two races in that context and add it into the pie with his two defeats this year where he's really been disappointing in New Door, that's what pushed me up to 15 to 1 because I just don't think betters are going to really be looking at him too seriously in the race. I think betters are going to really hone in on authentic and APND, and that's why I made the morning line the way I did. Yeah, and you kind of answered the question I was going to ask there, Joe, our local angle, a no door, because Peter Redekop and Blaine Wright also have our 2019 horse of the meeting, any port in a storm, running at almost the same time up at Golden Gate in the Albany tomorrow. And then they've also got a no door in the Sanita Derby. I will say this for an Odor, his best effort was over that racetrack down there, John. Do you take that into account at all? Yes, that is one of the things that's one of the reasons why I was really originally looking to make him maybe eight, maybe ten, uh, because of that fact that again, when you really sink your teeth into 
what has happened uh, coming out of that Breeders' Cup, even though it was at Santa Anita, it just hasn't proven to be a very strong race, even though it was a Breeders' Cup race. And I felt bad for the owner and trainer of a new door that day. You can't to run that well and get that close. And remember, a new door had only had the one race at Golden Gate under his belt going into that race. So from that standpoint, it really was an outstanding performance. But, you know, if Storm the Court had come back this year and, and proven to be one of the leading three-year-olds, or a thousand words had proven to be one of the better Bob Baffert three-year-olds this year, then I think you could look at a new door and say, hey, you know, you, you have to take him seriously. But these two races he has run this year uh, have been so disappointing. Uh, but, but he's the type of horse, you know, he did get a 92 buyer in that Breeders' Cup. And that is a buyer that, you know, if he could just build on that somehow. And he's a big, strapping individual. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice pedigree. And uh, so, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities for him to, uh, you know, reverse his, his form, uh, but he does need to do that. I mean, that's the key. It isn't like we're excusing one race. We're having to kind of excuse his last two races in addition to the fact that his two-year-old form now is a little suspect based on what the horses he ran against the two have gone on to do this year at three. Fair enough. Okay, John, thank you so much for joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. Again, a huge day at Santa Anita on Saturday. First race at 12.30, seven stakes races. And John going with Honor AP to uh, provide a slight upset in the Santa Anita Derby tomorrow, just a couple of weeks before the Belmont Stakes. Uh, John, thank you so much. And we will uh, have you join us again, if possible, on Horse Racing Northwest very soon. Thanks, John. Okay, that was John White. And it's about time to wrap up uh, our Horse Racing Northwest podcast, Vince. Uh, Joe Withy, Vince Brune here. And uh, you can find us, uh, Horse Racing Northwest. You can find us on, where did I write that down? Uh, On iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher. And pass the word around. Trivia questions, handicapping, local news, national news. Vince, uh, you've got another price play for a first-time starter on your handicap. Coming off a good selection last week. And just a lot to look forward to locally and nationally in the month of June. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow is really going to be a fun day of racing in California between Golden Gate and Santa Anita. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, and once again, uh, you were probably with us, but opening day at Emerald Downs coming up on Wednesday, June 24th, 2.15 start. Fans uh, not allowed. We're still under the phase system in Washington State. Uh, Owners will be able to get in. must have a license to present that. But uh, we will be open for fans down the road. And uh, thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest. See you next time.